0: Welcome to our podcast. Here you'll find the latest ministry from our church. We hope it blesses you and gives you a fresh perspective. We're just going to launch into the Word of God, if that's okay. And uh, I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture uh, from Matthew 3. And it's going to come up on the, uh, on the screen if you can read that. And uh, I'm just going to pray in a moment. I'm going to read this and then we're, going to, we're just going to pray. It says this from Matthew 3. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. Strange diet. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees, who were the kind of religious leaders of the day, coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them, You brood of snakes. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? He exclaimed, Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we are safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water, those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff With never ending fire. I want to speak a message just very quickly, just in the time that we've got left, called Prove It. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, Prove it? Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, say, Prove it. (laughs) Prove it. I'm just going to pray if that's all right. Would you join me? just as we pray over God's word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it is alive, that it is a living word. And God, as we come around it, just for the next few minutes, Lord, I just ask that you would help me to deliver it, Lord, in a way that would just illuminate it to your people. God, we don't want to walk out of this place the same way that we walked in. God, we want to be transformed by the power of Jesus. So help me, Lord, to deliver it. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. 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 So we've got a very funny scene in front of us We've got a scene where John the Baptist is baptising people, doing what he does best. And many, lots of people have come to get baptised, to turn away from their their life, uh, away from God and to, to turn towards God. And so John's baptising them and we see in the account here that there's lots of religious leaders, Sadducees and Pharisees that are kind of coming to watch what's going on. And uh, And John, on seeing them, turns to them and points at them in front of everyone and says, you Brood of snakes. That's really harsh, isn't it? I mean, can you can you imagine that conversation? Can you just in your minds? I imagine if you were there on that morning and you heard somebody, a well-respected religious person, John the Baptist, calling the religious leaders of the day, "You brood of snakes." That wouldn't go down very well, would it? (laughs) It's quite hilarious, really. And and so he looks at them and he says. You you can't just say with your mouth that you've repented and turned to God. You've got to prove it by the way that you live. It's no good just saying, "Oh well, we're sons and daughters of Abraham." It's no good just saying that. That's that isn't enough. I want you. I want to see by the way that you live that you've you, you've repented. The word repentance simply means. It's, it's kind of got quite a Christian connotation to it. It's quite a bit of church jargon now, I guess. But the word repentance simply means that you were heading one way and you have decided to turn and head another. That's what repentance means. And in the context of, of Christianity and of faith in Jesus, you were walking one way and kind of away from God and just doing your own thing. But then that moment came where all of a sudden you realise that Jesus loves you and that he went to the cross for you. And there's this moment in your heart where you go, actually, I'm, instead of going my own way, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what that's what repentance is. And so John is simply saying here that in that moment of repentance, there should be something that changes. It's no good just saying, I've repented and I've said sorry for my sins and then nothing changes. But actually the way we live is an identifier, is an indicator that actually there hasn't just been a change in our head but actually there's something in our heart that has changed. And and it is strange I find because John the Baptist was was really quite, as you can tell by his language, that's accounted for here. John the Baptist was quite a, a, a passionate, he didn't mince his words, he kind of said it as it was. So for these Pharisees and Sadducees to turn up is a little bit strange, but obviously they just wanted to kind of see what's going on. And I, and I find it quite interesting here that in, throughout the Gospels, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, there are accounts of, of certain Pharisees and Sadducees who do get baptised, who do turn to Jesus. But actually, for many, many of the religious leaders, they rejected, and we know this, don't we? They they rejected Jesus, and yet they were at that baptism ceremony. And I find it quite fascinating, you know, because we can be at certain ceremonies, but nothing changes. We can be in church, but that doesn't mean that anything actually changes at a deep spiritual level. I'm just going to talk just really quickly about, about grace. Because grace, as we, many of us will have heard, and if you've not heard before, hopefully I'm just going to help you understand a little bit more about grace. Because grace really is the, the activating thing that enables us to repent. We talk about the grace of Jesus, the, the cross that Jesus went to, he poured out his grace on us and said, actually, I'm going to cover everything. We heard from a number of different people praying this morning that the cross of Jesus covered everything that we've done wrong, everything that we did do wrong, everything that we will do wrong. And and we heard one beautiful prayer where it, the, the lady talked about how we have been wrapped in a robe of righteousness. And it's not righteousness of our own, efforts or abilities it's the righteousness of Jesus and because of the cross and everything that happened there many things that we can explain many things that are just the mysteries of God to us but what happened in that moment was Jesus wrapped His robe of righteousness around us, so that when we stand in front of God, God doesn't see us and our mess and our sin, but actually God sees Jesus when He looks at us. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And it's grace that is the that is the enabling factor in that exchange from sin to righteousness. But we can misuse grace. We can almost we can abuse grace if we misunderstand it, because what can happen is that we end up thinking that grace is simply about saying sorry and then God forgiving us. Now, that is grace, but there's more to grace than just that. And if we just stay at that point, we are missing out on a whole raft of wealth and abundance of this word called grace. Because grace absolutely is the moment where you say, God... I'm sorry for doing X, Y, and Z. I'm sorry I've messed up today. I, I didn't speak right to that person or I didn't act appropriately in that moment. But God, thank you for your forgiveness. And that's beautiful. And God is faithful to forgive. We know that. That's grace. But actually, grace is not just us saying sorry to God and God forgiving us. Grace is so much more powerful than that. Because actually what grace does, it doesn't just forgive us, but actually grace empowers us to live differently. There's a quote here from a guy called John Piper and it says this, Grace is not just leniency when we have sinned, it is the enabling gift of God to not sin. Grace is power, not just pardon. That's incredible, isn't it? Grace is power, not just pardon pardon we can treat grace sometimes like the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff that is there to pick up the mess when we've kind of lived our own way and oh it's all right we've done our own thing and now we're in a bit of a mess so God, God's powerful enough to clean it up and he is and he does because he's gracious but actually grace is not just the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff to pick up our mess grace is also the fence at the top of the cliff which stops us from falling over in the first place and so as we, as we start to understand grace a little bit more, we recognise that actually grace is not just a get out of jail free card where we can live how we want to live and God's good enough to forgive us. But actually grace is the power of God to enable us to live how he wants us to live. And that's the difference, you see, because many people can abuse grace and say, well, actually, I've said thank you to Jesus for the cross. I've said sorry for what I've done wrong. I'm going to kind of live my own way now, knowing full well that God has got enough forgiveness and enough grace to cover whatever we'll do. But that is a limited view of grace. And I believe will limit the life that God has called you to live. Whereas, if we accept grace and say, thank you God for your abundant grace that has covered everything I've done, I don't just want forgiveness now, I want the power of God in me, so that instead of just living my own way and getting away with it, actually I've now got the power of God in me to live the way you want me to live. That's an incredible kind of grace, isn't it? Praise God for his his grace, his abundant, abundant grace. So we see here that John stands and says, Guys, it is not enough to just say, oh, I know God. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm I'm part of the Israelite nation, so I'm God's chosen people. So we're good to go, aren't we? We're, we're, We're covered. John stands there and says, actually, you need to prove it. You need to show, by the way, that you live, that repentance has truly happened in your heart. So I just want to bring four things. We'll see how far we get. And uh, we might get to point number four, but it's all right if we don't. I just want to bring four aspects of the way that we can live differently that's going to help us to prove it. Is that all right? Are we ready for these? So, point number one. They all start with the same word, by the way, because I feel like I'm getting to the point now where I'm actually learning how to preach. So, I've started. I've started all four points with the same word, which is calling cool, it. And uh, so, the first one is this: we've got to live with open hands open hands. There's a scripture in, in Luke 3, and it says this, the crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? asked some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. If we want to prove that we've genuinely turned around from the life we did live and we're walking in a different direction, living with open hands is an amazing way to show that transformation has genuinely occurred in our life. What do I mean by open hands? I mean, be generous. That's really what I'm talking about. To have an open hand, to live a way that just examples God's generosity in such a way that people cannot deny that you live differently to, to the kind of the parameters and the criteria of the world. Generosity is such an incredible kingdom of God value. I really believe that. We know, don't we, even kind of outside of Christian circles, when there's an act of generosity. It just lifts the spirit, doesn't it? It gets everyone excited it kind of it, it puts back people's faith in humanity doesn't it when there's, when there's this uh, this offering of, of generosity in what, whatever way but as, as followers of Jesus, I really believe that a characteristic that we should all have is to have open hands. I want to read something to you which I found absolutely fascinating because the word generous. Everyone ready for a bit of Latin? It's really simple, it's alright. The word generous comes from the Latin word generosus. Everyone say generosus. It comes from this word generosus. And I'm going to read you what it says here about this word generosus. And I'm just going to unpack it just a little bit to help us. Because generosus means from noble birth. Now, that's a bit strange, isn't it? When you think of generosity, you don't think of the meaning of generosity being from noble birth. Because what's happened in the development of the word generous or generosity is that as it's kind of developed and as, as society has grown and, and, and changed, what's happened is that generosity has become an act. It's become something that you, that you do. It's become, it's become a kind of way of life. that I, I, I am generous. So what's happened to this word is that it's become about me. I am kind. I am generous. I have open hands. But actually the root of this is not so much to do with what you do. The root of the word generosity is actually more to do with who you are, where you've come from, the lineage that you've been born into. When we think about this in the context of the kingdom of God, when we choose to follow Jesus, it talks about in the Bible how all of a sudden we've become adopted children of God. So we were born onto this earth and we were born into, into sin and we were, we were away from God. But in that moment where we choose to follow Jesus, what happens is we become grafted into the vine the Bible talks about. And we become adopted children into the family of God. You see, what happens is, guys, when you follow Jesus, is that all of a sudden you you join a lineage of the King of Kings. So all of a sudden this word generosity starts to take on a bit more meaning because we recognise actually we're not being generous because it's something that I do. It's it, We're not being generous because... Because we we just want to be a good person. We're not being generous because we want to be known as, oh man, aren't they so kind? Aren't they so good? Aren't they so generous? All of a sudden we recognise that we're not being generous because we want to be known as something. We don't want to be generous because we want a label placed on us and for people to look up to us. All of a sudden we recognise that, that we become generous because we've been grafted into the family tree of a God who was so generous that he gave his one and only son onto this earth to, to, so that he would go to a cross to, to sort everything out and to put us back into relationship with God. That's amazing, isn't it? Generosity is a, 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 a facet of the kingdom of God. Is a characteristic of the kingdom of God. So when we are being generous as followers of Jesus, we are exampling the fact that we come from noble birth, that we we are living lives that show our world how generous our God is. We've got to live with open hands. And I believe that as we do that, as we, as we give of our finances, as we give of our time to people, as we, as we give of our whole life, as we hold nothing back, I believe that people will start to see something different in us compared to those that don't know Jesus. Because generosity is Uh, An attribute of somebody that comes from noble birth. You come from noble birth this morning. If you know Jesus, you are part of the lineage of the King of Kings. So I want you to, to, to take this to heart. To live with open hands. Proverbs 11 verse 24 says this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. I want us to live big lives. Anyone want to live a big life? I want to live big. I don't want to live limited I don't want to live trapped. I don't want to live with a ceiling on my life. And the word of God's pretty clear here that if we want to live big, we've got to have generosity running through our every moment. Because what will happen, the biggest hindrance in our society from living with open hands is the is the lie that we get fed that we have to build our own little kingdom. That we have to, we have to get the house, we have to get the cars, we have to do this, that, and the other. And, and we come home from work and we shut the door and we shut the world out and we close the curtains and we're just building our own little kingdom. And that is the biggest killer of generosity. If we focus just on our own lives, it will hinder any opportunity that we have. Because if we're not looking out, then we won't see where the need is. We won't see where the opportunity is to to go and show God's generosity to, to our world. So I just want to encourage you this morning, church, to live big. God wants you to have a large territory. He wants your territory to grow larger and larger and larger. That doesn't mean that God wants to pump loads of money into your life. He might. The largeness of territory, I don't think, means that if you give loads, God will give loads back. We believe that that is what God does, but... I think it's more than that. I think it's talking about a sphere of influence that as we live with generosity all of a sudden our the, the people that we kind of sweep into our world that the, the people that kind of our arms reach out to all of a sudden our arms get a little bit bigger and we start to connect with people that we never thought we would be able to connect with before but because we're being generous the doors of heaven are, are being unlocked and we're starting to we're starting to incorporate this life into into people and spheres of influence into the business world and into our schools of and hospitals and all these places that we know need Jesus so I just encourage you to live big to live with open hands the second thing is this to live with open arms Matthew 5 43 to 48 says this you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say love your enemies pray for those who persecute you is perfect. We've got to live with open open arms. We've got to... I suppose really it's, it's talking about having an unconditional love for those that are around us. And I really think the area of, of forgiveness is something that can cripple us. We know we only have to look at people that are carrying hurt from past stuff to see the effects of unforgiveness. We know in our own lives, don't we? When we hold on to stuff... That maybe someone has said over us, maybe someone has done something to us. We know, don't we, that when we hold on to that, who's the person that it affects the most? It's not them; it's us. Unforgiveness and bitterness will rot our spirits, and I really th- believe that when we start to, when we allow the forgiveness of God to flow in us and through us and out of us to those around us that have hurt us. I really believe that that is one of the biggest ways that people will understand the unconditional love of God. There's a powerful scripture that says, whilst we were still sinners, Christ came and died. So even even in our mess, even though we were hurting God by doing things our own way, the love of God was so powerful that it overcame that gap. And Jesus said, it's time. God said, Jesus, it's time. And he sent his son to earth because he loved us unconditionally and he wanted us to be in a place of relationship back with the father again so when we forgive once again we are we are showing people a kingdom a kingdom characteristic this kingdom characteristic of forgiveness when it doesn't make any sense what why should i they don't deserve forgiveness but the bible says that we didn't either and yet christ still came and so when we start to forgive people that don't deserve our forgiveness they're experiencing the kingdom of God how powerful is that not only do they experience the power the power in the kingdom of God but we experience release from that potential of bitterness that root of unforgiveness to take hold and to rot our spirits it's a powerful powerful thing forgiveness is so incredible the woman caught in adultery is a perfect example of this in the gospels Jesus comes to this kind of melee that's happening and there's a woman that got caught in the act of adultery and it's such a mess and and she's there in the middle of this circle of the religious leaders and they're they're all shouting for her to be killed and the law of Moses said that someone caught in adultery it's 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 death it's death by stoning and so the religious leaders say Jesus what should we what should we do with this woman she's been caught in adultery and the law of Moses says that we should stone her, doesn't it? And Jesus turns around and says, yeah, 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 you're right. It does say that. So what I want you to do, if any of you have never done anything wrong, Jesus says, if, if, there's, if there's someone here without any sin, then they're the ones that can throw the first stone. And of course, in that moment, the people realise, oh, actually, I have done something wrong. And so each one, it says, starts to walk away. And it's just left with this woman in the midst of her mess up and Jesus. And he looks at her and he says, Where are, where are all the people that were just judging you? And she says, Well, they've, they've, they've kind of gone. And he says, Well, I, I don't condemn you either. And he says, Get up, sin no more. And there's this moment where we realize that actually the love of God empowers people to go and live differently. And so when we start to to live out this unconditional love for people, it builds a foundation in their life that enables them to live differently. Because the world will say, in order to, to get love, you need to kind of work for it a little bit. You need to do some stuff that's going to earn you the right to be loved. But Jesus says, actually, I'm going to already build a foundation of love. I'm going to let you know that I love you so that you can then go and do works. But the world will say that I've got to work to get love. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. We work from a place of knowing that we are already loved. We work from a place of knowing that we are already approved and cherished. So that we haven't got to earn anything. We've got everything that we could ever earn anyway of the abundance of God's love for us. And, and when we live unconditionally, I believe that it sets people up for victory. It sets people up for success. When they, when they know that they are loved, even in the midst of their mess and their foul-ups, I really believe that it sets a foundation in them and gives them, a, gives them an energy and a power to go and live life bigger. And I believe that they see Jesus when we love them. And that's the, biggest, that's the biggest reason to love people, isn't it? That they see Jesus through our love. And lastly, just as we bring this to a close, we're not going to have time for, for the fourth thing, but that's okay. Third thing is this. We've got to live with open hearts. Open hearts. We've got to live in his will. Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. We've got to live with open hearts. Matthew five nineteen to 20. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we're getting this thing here that we've got to, we've got to live out God's will. And the, the, the thing is, church, that when we start living the way that God wants us to live, we should look different. Because God's ways are not our ways. The way that God operates is not the way that the world would want us to operate. And so if we're following the will of God, if we are, if we are being obedient to what God's asking us to do, we will. By definition, look different to those that don't know Jesus. I hear so many stories of people at work, and they maybe it's their kind of leaving do, and they've been at work for however many years, and and at the end of the, the time they finally got the courage, and maybe someone drops out that they go to church and they believe in Jesus, and, and colleagues turn to them, and I hear this so many times. Colleagues turn to them and say, Oh, I never realized you were a Christian, or I never realized you went to church, and and that is. That's frightening because there should be something about us. There should be something about the way we live that is so different to the people in our world that they say, "Hold on a sec. What is it? What is it? That, what is it that's different about you? What is it that you've got that that I don't have? What what is it that allows you to live in such a way? What 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 is it that allows you to be so generous? Why are you so nice to people? Why do you why do you forgive instantly? What what is it about you that that's so? different and yet so often we hear of people that just say oh I never even realized you were a Christian and the thing is we wrap it up in oh well, it shows that I've been really relevant it shows that I've kind of I've really connected with them and they don't think I'm a weirdo it, it, it doesn't actually mean that I believe actually it just it, it it's not relevance that that is impotence that is ineffective Christianity and we wrap it up in relevance But it isn't, because people should see, prove it by the way you live. People should see that we are different. We have been called and empowered to be ambassadors for his kingdom on earth. We have been called and charged with a different mandate, with a different mission. And then we wonder, in these moments where we get an opportunity to speak the word of God over people and we get to preach the gospel as we call it and maybe it's a conversation at work or in the, in the playground at school or whatever it might be we we have a moment where we get to say something about Jesus and we wonder, we wonder why it doesn't land we wonder why there isn't a moment where you can hear angels singing and, and all of a sudden they're on their knees and they're saying what must I do to be saved we wonder why but the reality is it's because our words are not backed up by anything. Because I really believe that actually the moment when we get to share Jesus verbally with somebody shouldn't be the first time that they've encountered Jesus. I really believe that the first time they've encountered Jesus is in that moment where we've gone up to the outcast at work that no one else likes and we kind of sit with them and have lunch and chat to them. That's them encountering Jesus. So then when you get the opportunity to speak Jesus to people... It isn't the first time that they've heard about this Jesus. It's actually just a its actually just a way of wrapping up the life that they've already seen. So our words and our explanation is, is simply just a, oh yeah, you've already seen the way I live. Let me tell you a little bit about why I live like that. Let me tell you about the Jesus that I've found that empowers me to live differently. We need to live with open hearts. We need to live different. We need to... We need to do the will of the Father. And what we say should be an explanation for the change that people have already seen in us. I'm just going to pray for us, if that's okay. I I just want to... My heart this morning, church, was really just to to leave you with something that that God really has has spoken to our church about and is continuing to speak to our church about and prove it can be quite an inflammatory thing kind will prove it it can have a bit of attitude about it and i hope that that's not come over like that this morning but i really want us to go to our individual homes our families our workplaces our world i want us to make a difference for jesus because that's what it's all about isn't it because we can the risk is that when we find jesus as our lord as our savior we can fall into the trap of thinking oh well we're all right now we're sorted and then we shut down because we've we've found the answer but that's not the, that is not the church that Jesus died for he died for a church that when people find him they recognize and realize that i have got the answer for this world, and I am going to do everything in my power to tell people and show people about this Jesus that I have found. But in order to do that, we've got to live different. We've got to live in a way that has open hands, so that we're generous with everything that we've got. Because we're called to we're called to be a blessing. One of the kind of one of the the theme themes of my heart is that we we are blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed so that we kind of just get big and we're blessed so that we can pour out to other people because it's going to show them a generous God. We've got to live with open arms where we love people to a ridiculous level. Almost to the point where people say, you are soft. You are, you, you are, you're an idiot. You're crazy. But just arms so open that people experience the love of God when they meet us. And then for, for people to have for us to have open hearts where actually I recognize I cannot do life the way God wants me to do it without surrendering to his will. Because I ain't I, I don't know about you, but I ain't very good at living this life very well. Anyone else? I make mistakes every day. And yet God, through his word, says that. Jesus said, I came to give life and life in all its fullness. I don't live a full life. But by the power of God, I believe that I'm being transformed every day to become more like Christ. And that's that's my heart, church. That each day we live in such a way that connects Jesus, who we found, to those that don't know him yet. We're a signpost that says, come this way. Look who i found. Look who I've discovered. I've found the answer to life. So I'm just going to pray. And uh, and if any of those three things, open hands, living generously, open arms, loving unconditionally, and open hearts, living his will, not our will. If any of those three things have kind of just struck a chord with you, just as I'm praying, You can just have your own conversation with God and just say, God, help me in this arena. Help me in this area of my life. And then I'm just going to hand it back. So, Lord, I thank you for this beautiful, beautiful group of people. Lord, I thank you that you are moving through them. I thank you that your presence is here. Lord, that you're after changing lives. God, you want us to become like your son, Jesus. And so, God, we just ask Lord, that in this moment, as we've just got a bit of time to just reflect on what you've said to us this morning, help us, God. Reveal to us through your Holy Spirit what it is in our life that that God, you want us to step out into. That Lord, if it's if it's living with open hands, God, if you if you're stirring us and challenging us to, to live a generous life, then God help us to do that. Give us the boldness, Lord, to throw away our own thinking of how to live life, God. And Lord, if it's to if it's love, God, if there's an area of unforgiveness in our life, God, you're calling us to live with open open arms, Lord. And so, God, we pray that you'd help us, Jesus, to forgive as you forgave us, Lord. Thank you that you went there first. God, that we haven't got to operate in a way that you've not gone before. But Lord, you showed us what true forgiveness is, Lord. So give us the power. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to forgive those that have hurt us. And Lord, if it's God if it's to live with open hearts lord that we step aside from living a life in our own way god and our own in our own human thinking lord we want to live bigger lord we want to live we want to live for your kingdom god we know we recognize we realize that we are on a different mission We have got a different mandate. You have called us and empowered us to live differently to how people that don't know you live. And so, Lord, help us, God. Help us to be obedient to what you ask us to do, even when it seems silly, even when it goes against everything that we've been brought up to think. Lord, we pray for a a passion and an obedient spirit over our lives as individuals and over this church. God, we want to prove it. We want to prove by the way that we live that we have turned and followed you. So help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, and in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you for 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 listening. Thank you for being attentive. And uh, and as I said, please would you just would you just Kind of, if you if you just think about us, would you just pray for us as a church? We'd really appreciate that. Just over the next couple of months, as we kind of do the baton passing at the end of January, and then our senior pastors are uh, going away for kind of extended sabbatical time, kind of at the start of April. So we're just giving them a big send off, and we're just going to have a great time doing that. But we'd really appreciate your prayers because uh, we've uh, we know that actually across our, especially across AOG, there's not many successful transitions, and uh, and we want to we want to book the trend. And uh, we want to give glory to God. We don't want our church to, and his church to, to falter because of us. So would you cover us in prayer? That would be incredible. And uh, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website, www. .newlifepentecostal.church Church. We do hope you'll listen again.